Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Kong Sun with Believe in SESU Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network, place with the show for every team in San Diego and more. We believe in our teams, especially the Aztecs. Do you believe? In this episode, we're going to take a look back as at the past season leading up to Selection Sunday, which is on the 15th. And while we await a likely two-seed revealing in the West Bracket, we're just going to help put things into perspective for the fans, talk about why it's still a successful season, and sort of just be ready for the craziness that is March Madness. So without further ado, here we go. So despite a tough loss to end the Mountain West Conference Tournament, I want to say that the Aztecs have still exceeded expectations. Heading into the season, we were ranked as, or we were titled the Dark Horse, but never the favorite, never the runner-up. That was more of the Utah states of the world. So where we are now, 30 wins, two losses, um, you know, we locked up the share a share of the conference title with four games to play is beyond anything I could have imagined. Um, it's easier right now to say that everything is a failure, that this was a disappointment. So I think this is a good time to help put things into perspective of how successful the season has been. So we go back to game number three of the season. This was against BYU, a former Mountain West Conference opponent who moved to the West Coast Conference, which is shared by Gonzaga. Uh, there's been many memorable battles in the past. Like most, uh, I think the most likely thing that comes to mind is the matchups between Kawhi and Jimmer. But this particular game was at BYU, which is notoriously difficult and damn near impossible for the Aztecs to ever win in Provo where Jordan Shackle caught fire from three, uh, threw in a game-high 19 points as the Aztecs helped build a uh, first-half lead. That quickly went sour as we went from being up by nine to down by nine in the first part of the second half. We were down by four, 65 to 69, with 215 to play in the game, where we just held... BYU to two points for the rest of the game, and we won 76 to 71. This was a very great and early test, a momentous occasion, as this only marked the fourth time that we won in Provo. And if I had you guess the number of times we've lost, given the very, very low number of wins, and given that they were a conference opponent in the past i don't think that you would have guessed that we are currently four and 29 overall against byu at byu so this was a big test we started three and oh i mean that was the first time we did that since the 2014 2015 season which we made the ncaa tournament then as well but that was the start of the idea, oh, the Aztecs are capable of doing something great this year. And that kind of 
proceeded when we traveled to Vegas for the Continental Tire Las Vegas Invitational. Um, that, that reminds me of the fun run episode of The Office for those who are big fans. For this game, or for the this, this Invitational, the first game we played against Creighton, where we just gave him a beat down, 83-52. to 52. Matt Mitchell was playing off the bench at this point in the season. He pitched in with 16 points. We held Creighton to 38.5% shooting from the field. And from the looks of that and sort of how the season played out, you would have thought that Creighton was similar to, um, I mean, without throwing other schools under the bus, for lack of a better term, like a Colorado State or a New Mexico, uh, New, yeah, New Mexico, sort of the middle of the pack in their conference. But Creighton is currently 24-7, and seven, and they have the one seed in the Big East tournament. So this was a very, very significant win. Not only did we beat them, <laughs> we beat them by 31. And that led us to a 7-0 start for the first time since the beginning of the decade. We gave Creighton its biggest loss since 2001. In the second half, they didn't get any closer than 12 points. And that was a big, big, significant win. Like If BYU was sort of a stamp on, on a win, this was like a notary melted by the fire back in like the 1600s or something. Um, this was huge. And I would have been happy at this point, or I was very happy, but I would have been happy if this was sort of seen as the signature win of the season, but it wasn't. I mean, we headed into uh, the next game against Iowa. We were down by as many as 16 in the first half, and we fought back to win by 10, 83-73. Malachi pitched in with 28 points, which he had all in the second half. This was a great victory. This marked a 4-0 start to away neutral sat games. For the season where we were just six and ten last year. So we were already almost matched the total before even conference play started. Iowa is currently fifth in the Big Ten. They're 18th in the country. So these two games in this tournament was huge for us for sure. And I think this is the point where we started to get ranked. And finally, in terms of non-conference play, right before it started, we uh, played a neutral site game in December against Utah here in LA, the Staples Center, where we beat them 80 to 52. This meant a lot to me personally because Utah is a Pac 12 team. And when I was in school and talking to friends who went to UCLA and USC and other Pac 10 schools, uh, Pac 10 back then, Pac 12 now, um, we the butt of the joke was always that Mountain West Conference, West Coast Conference, these teams have schools who wouldn't even be able to hang in these in the big six tournaments or whatever they call it, big six, big six conferences or whatever they call it. So this was great. I mean, this was the way we came out and handled business, improving to 12 and 0, holding just holding Utah to just one player with double figures while the Aztecs had three, holding the Utes to 31% from the field. This helped start solidifying the idea that this season was going to be special. Typically in the past, we have a great team defensively and where we struggled were sort of 
shooting from three. And that kind of led to a lot of losses in these non-conference portions of the seasons. And these big games were more of um, similar to a scenario where they're just letting their little brother play just so that they can be happy and have fun to be or be glad that they were just even invited. Um, but this time it just sort of felt like the younger brother uh, gave the older brother beat down. So uh, that felt really good on the court, just sort of making a statement win. And that just sort of set up the conference play. And we all know what happened for the rest of the season. I mean, if you look at sort of the rankings for the rest of the season and where we ended up, you can really gauge how special this team was. We finished the season leading the conference in defense and scoring margin. We were leading the conference in turnover margin, assist to turnover ratio, free throw shooting, uh, or free throw percentage, uh, opposing three-point percentage, four players averaging double figures. It's remarkable sort of how good this team was this year. And two losses is okay. It's not the end of the world. Every other tournament winner in the past decade outside of the 2012 Kentucky team, which had a guy by the name of, oh, I don't know, Anthony Davis, lost more than two games. Every single team. So we definitely still have a possibility. I feel like we're being counted out already. We're sort of counted out before a lot of sports books had social media posts with eight to 10 teams and their odds to reach the final four. And San Diego State wasn't in any of the posts that I saw, which was remarkable seeing how they were fourth or fifth in the country for the better part of the last month. Um, which is pretty infuriating if you ask me, but we were the last team to remain undefeated. And out of the last 20 seasons, the last team to remain undefeated uh, made it to the sweet 16, four times, the elite eight, three times lost in the final four, two times were runner ups four times, national champs, four times. So the overwhelming majority is that we survived the first weekend and head into the second and have a good chance at making a deep run in the tournament. So uh, keep your heads up, Aztec fans. We have a lot to look forward to, a lot to look up to, and we're just going to take it one game at a time. I mean, these guys are hungry. These guys are pissed off that they lost. They wanted to cut down nets, and I expect them to come out with a vengeance heading into the first weekend of March Madness. Um, I think... The next couple episodes, once we find out where the seedings are and how everything's played out, we'll take a look at the road that the Aztecs need to take to lead to the Final Four and a chance at the national title game, and also a fun little way to try and win some money in your uh, work bracket pool. So if you enjoy this episode, if you enjoy this show, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're available wherever podcasts can be found you can contact us at believe.com and at believe podcast i said contact us like this is like an infomercial but nevertheless you get the idea i'm available on instagram at n-a-s-g-n-a-k and if you're interested in advertising on the show please reach out to us at believe.com 
We got a couple weeks left until March Madness. So very much like the players, let's all just take a rest. Let's all just focus in on the task at hand because at the end of the day, this has been one hell of a ride and we got a lot more games to play, a lot more history to make. So until next time, go Aztecs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.